Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Genesis, if you would. Genesis chapter 17. In Genesis 17, we find that God is displaying, or I should say through Genesis, our study in the book of Genesis, we find that God has been displaying His character through the world He has created and in His interaction with the human race. We have been reading about Abram and his journey in faith, and we see that he has been growing in his faith in steps. Sometimes there are hesitant steps, sometimes there are half steps, and even sometimes they have been backward steps. Yet through it all, we see that he moves from imperfect faith to a growing faith to a mature faith. And in there, you and I can find comfort and strength and even encouragement in the fact that even Abraham, who we normally think of as the man when it comes to faith, had to grow from baby to older. In the same way, our faith is imperfect, just as Abraham was. We may ask, why did God choose Abraham? Abraham was an idol worshiper. He was not one who sought after God. He was not one who was looking for God. He was not seeking anything. His life was fine in the land of Ur, the Chaldeans. Life was perfect as far as he knew. He had it all. He had his family. He had security. He had support. But one day, God called him out of all that. Why did God choose Abram? Out of all the generations, out of all the people, why did he choose Abram? Well, God chose him for a special privilege. And the ultimate objective in God's choice of Abram was to prepare the world for the coming Messiah and Savior of the world. So as we read Genesis, we're after the fall in the story, and we're looking forward to redemption that would be found in Christ. And that's where Abraham finds himself as he becomes an important part of that wheel that God is creating. The long-awaited seed of God, the Messiah, to come destroy the works of of the serpent, Satan. In all of this, we see the grace and faithfulness of God on display. And our response, as we saw so far in the study of Abraham, is to continue to grow in our trust and our hope in God. And Father, so we come before you, open up our hearts as we read Genesis 17. Help us to understand what's going on here in the life of Abraham, and may we grow in our strength. May we see encouragement. May we see how you reveal yourself. And Lord, may that direct our hearts towards you in a greater way, we pray. Amen. I want to show you three things that we're going to see in chapter 17, and we're going to work our way through it. And what we need to see first off is that number one is we see a name. You're going to see a name in Genesis 17, a new name. And in it, we see that God is in a covenant-keeping God. As you might recall, several weeks ago in chapter 12, God calls Abraham and he makes a covenant with Abraham. And you saw that last week as you went through chapter 15 with Dustin. And we see it again today that God is a covenant-keeping God. And that's important as we shall see in verse 1 
of chapter 17. Follow with me in verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Verse 3, then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be my father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. And I forgot where I lost where I was. To be God to you and your offspring after you. Let's start in verse 8. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God is a covenant-keeping God. And I think that's very important. Because if you would look at this, we see that Abraham is 99 years old. Now, if you were to go up to verse 16 of chapter 16, you'll see something important there. In verse 15, as you saw last week, God had promised Abram and Sarah that they would have, that he made a covenant with them and that he would give them a child. And we see great faith there, but in chapter 16, and I think you just hit that on a very quick note, we see that Sarah and Abram eventually take things in their own hands. And Sarah says, go to Hagar, my handmaiden, my servant, and why don't you sleep with her and have a son by her? In this way, they feel, well, we can try to accomplish what God is doing through our own desires. So as you read the story in chapter 16, Abram sleeps with Hagar, they have a child, and they name that child Ishmael. And Hagar bore son in verse 15, bore a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. But look at verse 16. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. That's where you left off last week. And today we see something kind of odd. We see in verse 1 of chapter 17 that 13 years have gone by. 13 years of silence between God and Abraham. 13 years after silence, after Abraham's disobedience with Hagar, Abram finally hears from God again. And I had to ask myself as I was reading through this, what went through Abram's mind? after his sin with Hagar. He knew that it wasn't right. He knew he wasn't supposed to do that. What was his thought when all of a sudden the voice of God went silent for 13 years? There was no visions from God. There was no voice from God. There was no appearance of God to him. But there was silence. You and I can almost imagine this, can we not? How do you feel after you've sinned against an almighty God? What about those times where you've been disobedient to God's word and all of a sudden there's silence? For those of you who have married or maybe have children, you understand the silent treatment, right? You do something wrong, you get in a fight, and all of a sudden it's just a cold shoulder. We don't like that, do we not? It's not something that's fun. 
And we desire at least an argument, at least a yelling match, something. Talk to me. I wonder what was going through Abraham's mind during those silent times. It's the same as us when we sin and we're unfaithful. God doesn't give the silent treatment here. This is not God having a pouting party or pity party. It's not him pouting. It's not him being angry. But I think that this is an act of God in which he's still working on Abram's life. So 13 years go by, and I'm sure Abram was thinking, well, I still don't have the land. I have a son now, but it's not Sarah's son. I guess God is done with me. I left everything for nothing. Where is God? And have you ever had that question? Have you ever asked, where is God in your life? Have you felt like God's been silent while you're searching for him, when you're praying, when you're asking? I'm sure you have. Many of us have had those times. But God is a covenant-keeping God. He hasn't forgotten Abraham. He may have been silent during this time, but he has not been absent. For he comes and he gives him once again a reminder of his covenant. And in this, there's something important here as we look at this. For he says, he appears to Abraham and says, I am God Almighty. Now this is a, a new phrase that God's given him. It's the Hebrew phrase, El Shaddai. El is a term that means God. Shaddai is one that gives a picture or refers to the bosom of a nursing mother. El Shaddai means the strong one, the almighty one. This gives a picture and reveals God, the truth as God displays in that name, is that we are safe in the arms of God. Write this verse down in the back of your bulletin. You can look at it later. It's in Psalms chapter 91, 1 through 2. This is a verse that all of us ought to memorize as Christians. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, in the shadow of El Shaddai. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Here God is revealing himself in a mighty way. He's saying, I have not spoken to you in 13 years. You may have delayed, I may have delayed my promises. You may feel wretched in your sin, but let me tell you, I am the Almighty One. I am the one that is strong enough to, 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 to draw you to my bosom and like a nursing mother, hold you tight and protect you. You see, it's from God that Abraham will draw strength and nourishment instead of himself. As we ended chapter 16, we see once again Abram trying to solve the issue himself, just like you and I do all the time. We get these promises from God, but we get impatient we, we begin to doubt, we begin to fear, and we try to make our own plans. And then there comes maybe that times of silence, at times of, of fearing, where is God in all this? But then God comes and reminds us that we were in his bosom. And we have to look in the same way. Have there been times in which you and I, instead of seeking nourishment from God, we look for refuge, and we look for comfort from things that aren't from God. And what we see here is after 13 years of silence, God is going to restore Abram by reminding him of God's faithfulness in spite of Abram's faithlessness. And you and I know that. We've been there. 
Do you believe that God can restore you in the midst of faithlessness? Do you believe that God can rebuild your marriage? Do you believe that God can renew your spirit, that he can protect your children, that he can provide for your family? We all say yes to these things, but yet many times our actions and our attitudes say otherwise. And what we see here is after 13 years, God finally comes and reveals himself in a mighty way and says, I am the Almighty One. In you, or in me, I should say, God says you will find nourishment. You will find strength and find refuge. You tried it your way, but no longer will you see that that is fruitful. And so he renews, or not renews, but he again reminds them of a covenant. And what he shares with us is this covenant is unconditional. This covenant was not, as you saw last week, as Dustin took you through chapter 15, it was not conditioned on man, but conditioned on God's faithfulness. That's the covenant of God. And it's unconditional, but God does command obedience as necessary to participate in the blessings. Here God tells Abram to walk before me and be blameless. And instead of showing any pride, and instead of showing any type of way of trying to discuss or to prove his innocence, he falls to his face in humility and worship. When he says, I'm going to make my covenant and I will multiply you greatly, it says Abraham fell on his face. We also see that the covenant is not only unconditional, but it's everlasting. In this case, he changes Abram's name to Abraham from exalted father to father of many. How ironic. At this time, he's only the father of one, and even that child is illegitimate. It's not the son from his wife. What we see here, God is reassuring a man with imperfect faith, just as he does to you and I. And what we're going to see here is five things in verses 6 through 8 that God will do, that God will do for Abraham. He says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And we see through Scripture eventually that's what happens. He says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants. I will give to you and your offspring the land for an everlasting possession. And fifthly, I will be their God. Again, the point here is not, this is not something that Abraham will accomplish of his own power. (coughs) Excuse me, but he will do in his own as God does it for him. So we see a name. God is a covenant-keeping God, and he shows that by not only revealing a new name for himself, the Almighty One, but by giving Abraham a new name that shows who he will. Not what he is today, but who he will be and who he's remembered as. The second thing we're going to see as we look in this passage is we see a knife. We see a knife. And in here we understand that God expects obedience. And this is something that you and I need to understand. Is God expects obedience from those that he involves in a covenant. We see that in verses nine, verse 9. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, and you and your offspring after you throughout their generation. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Verse 11. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. 
He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generation, whether born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your offspring, both he is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. Shall shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant? Any uncircumcised man who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So those in which God and and, and gets or in, in um what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you have to excuse me. I have to get back into the swing of things here. To those He engages in covenant, He expects obedience. The same for those that He's called by His name. He expects us to live, and He expects us to to live as we are children of Him. There's an old hymn. I'm not sure if you've ever heard it called "Trust and Obey." The first verse, verse, verse of it says, When we walk with the Lord in the light of His word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. You may remember as we went through Noah and the flood, you may remember that there was a rainbow that God says, I will never again destroy the world with flood with water. And like the rainbow was the sign of that covenant, of God's covenant with Noah, so was circumcision. It was a sign that those people were participating in that covenant. It's not a condition of the covenant, but a condition of participation. In other words, only those Jews and those who belonged to those would be involved in it. And only those who were circumcised were members of that covenant. Just as a circumcised heart today is a sign of the new covenant that we'll participate in today. So God expects our obedience. In this case, it was to be circumcised. That's the beginning of it, as we see here in Scripture. The third thing we're going to see is we saw a name and we saw a knife. But the third thing we're going to see is a promise. We're going to see a promise. And we see God tests our obedience. Not will only God call for it, but he's also going to test it. We see that in verse 15. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she, will become nation, and she shall become nations, kings of people shall come for her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Verse 20. And as for Ishmael... I have heard you, behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall be a father, twelve, he shall father, excuse me, twelve princes. And I will make him into a great nation, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. God here is testing their obedience. He's testing their faith. You must remember that Abraham was graciously called out of worshiping false gods and into a special relationship 
with the one true God. He abandoned everything at the age of 75 to follow God. He's now 99 years of age, 24 years later, and he still has not seen the fulfillment of God's promise when he said, go into a land that I will give you. 24 years of wandering, and he still has not seen that promise fulfilled. He still does not have a child with Sarah. He's a nomad. He may be a wealthy and respectful man and a strong man and a mighty man in that land, but yet he's still a nomad nonetheless. There is not one piece of land that he can say is mine. He travels as he builds water holes from one place and another, and he continually makes a circuit around the land that God says one day will be yours. And then to put insult to injury almost, instead of just being called Abram, which meant exalted father, he says, you'll be Abraham. You're going to be the father of many people. And here he is at 99 years old. And still all he has is his own product of his own sin, Ishmael. And God says, I'm not going to use him. I'm going to use someone else. No land. No child with Sarah. And as again, as I said, you see, both Sarah and Abraham took matters in their own hands and they fell into sin. And that decision caused not only heartache for them, but it still caused heartache today as from the fruit of that seed is the problem that we have between Israel and the Arabs and others in the Middle East. But here's what's important. Despite their lack of faith in taking it into their own hands, in spite of their lack of faith and their struggling faith and their wavering faith of over 24 years of waiting for God to do what he says he's going to do. Now, this is the third time that God has come to him and says, I will do this. But it seems like it's nothing but words. I don't know, maybe you've struggled with the same thing in your life. Maybe sometimes you, you hear the preacher talk and the pastors talk and you read the books and you read the Bible and you say, yeah, here's all these promises that God keeps giving me, but where's the fruit of them? I've been waiting five years, 10 years, 24 years, maybe 40 years, and I'm still struggling in my life. My marriage is still in the, in the dank. I don't even know if that's a word, but you get the phrase. My family is still scattered. I still don't have hope. Maybe you find yourself in the same boats. But what we understand is sometimes God's promises are delayed in our lifetime. But yet despite their lack of faith, God assures Abraham here 13 years later that he has not only declared that Sarah has a son, but he has given her a son in verse 16. When he says, I will bless her and moreover I will give you a son, that phrase actually is, I have given her a son, which we see Psalms 139, which God says, his name is going to be Isaac. I've already given him a name. I've already written out his members. I've already declared what not only when he'll be born, but I'm declaring what and who he will be. And not only that, but throughout the ages, his offspring, they will be the descendants of this land. 
So God declares that that child is as good as there, right there. Yeah, you may have to wait one more year. He finally says, after 24 years, I'm going to give you it. It's going to be coming next year. But not only declares that he's as good as there, but he gives him a name, Isaac. At this point, Abraham's faith is wavering quite a bit. As we see, he laughs down in laughter. I don't think that's a laughter of disrespect, but I think it's a laughter of shock. And maybe in a laughter that's kind of like desperation. As, what are you talking about? How can this be? For 24 years I've been following you. You've been telling me the same thing. But not only his faith is wavering, but now he begins to wager with God. As you saw in verse 20 or verse 18, where he says, Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael may live before you. Here's someone who's real. I've had him for 13 years. Take him and make him the fruit of all that covenant. God says, no. Do we do that? Don't we wager with God? Don't we say, hey, I know your promises say this and say that, but could you just go ahead and just bless my sin? Can you not bless this? Can't you turn it to your own good? Is this not something that you can use? Interesting, God says, no, I'm still going to do it my way. But he does give him hope. Ishmael is not totally rejected. Ishmael himself would become the father of 12 princes. Most of what we know now as Saudi Arabia comes from the land and from the, from the people of Ishmael. He's been growing in his faith, yet still God delays. In reality... Abraham will never see the land as his in his lifetime. He will never see his children own that land. As we'll discover later, Isaac and even Jacob later continue to make the same circuit that Abraham did. Never, ever owning that land. In reality, it's going to be over 470 years after Abraham will they finally begin to conquer that land in Joshua. However, Scripture tells us that even in the midst of this, even in his laughter, his faith grew even stronger. Turn to Romans chapter 4, if you would. Would you turn to Romans chapter 4? You might have looked at this, I believe, last week with, with Dustin, but in Romans chapter 4, we get a glimpse of the strength of Abraham's faith even in the midst of his wavering and in his doubt, and even in disobedience. For his faith continues to grow these past 24 years. In Romans chapter 4, look at verse 18, if you have it there. It says of Abraham, in hope, Abraham believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. In verse 19, though, it tells us, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, 99 years of age, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. She has had no children their whole marriage. She's 90 years of age. Look at verse 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith 
as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. The picture we have of Genesis is Abraham has been wavering for some time, even into the point where he sins by sleeping with the woman that's not his wife and having a child, and then presenting before God and says, Bless my disobedience. But God comes after 13 years of silence and reassures him. He comes to a man whose faith has been slowly growing, but we find him probably at a weak point in his life, and God lifts and builds him up. In Romans, we see that from that point on, that God's work of I am the Almighty One, be holy and walk blameless before me, that at that point Abraham is encouraged and strengthened in his faith. As he goes from that moment, as we see next week, as we see the test of his faith immature, at that point his life was changed. You know what? That's one of the things I think that you and I need. Are you ready for a faith changed? Are you struggling with your faith and believing God? You say, I believe God, but yet there are times that I'm very low and there are times that I see I'm very high, but it seems like my life is nothing but waves of good faith and lesser faith. What you need is encouragement from God. You see, you need to meet El Shaddai. You need to know the Almighty One, the One who says that He will take us and He'll bring and nourish us in the bosom. The God who gives us strength to face. Yes, he is a delay God of delay. There are many times the promises that we have in his word we will not see in our lifetime. There will be times when we'll be able to taste it. There will be times that we may be able to see it afar. And there may be times we may be able to hold it with our hands and enjoy all of its fruit and its properties. But many times we will not see it. Until that day that we're made new. And that's the hope we have. The same hope that Abraham has as he traveled around the land. He realized, this is not mine yet. This is not mine, but it is. Trusting that God will do as he says. You see, well, how can I get that then? How can I recognize El Shaddai? How can I be nourished from him? How can I stop trying to do it my way and trust in God? Well, we see that in the rest of the chapter. If you want to move to the next step of faith, then do what Abraham did. Verse 22. Because how does Abraham respond to these three things? How does he respond to a new name and a knife and a a promise? How does he respond? He responds in faith and obedience. Look at verse 22. And when he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. What we're seeing there is God actually came in person in this case. This is what we call a theophany. Then Abraham, in verse 23, took Ishmael his son, and all those born in his house or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day. Those are important words I'm emphasizing as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. In verse 27, 
and all the men of his house, those born in his house, uh, in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. You want to move to that next step? It means obedience. It means following through. It's mean recognizing he's El Shaddai and allowing yourself to let go and do what it is that God has called you to do. It's called a biblical obedience. I've given you that definition of faith. Faith is bold obedience to God's word in defiance of circumstances and consequences. That's what Abraham does. At 99 years old, he takes a knife and he lives out the promises. And by doing so, he's doing more than just some physical act. But he's saying, this is a sign. This is a remembrance to me that God will give me what he says he will do. But let me tell you, biblical obedience comes with a cost. Biblical obedience is complete. As you see, he did all. He didn't just do a few. He did exactly what God said. He says, circumcise all males, and he does all males. Just as we talked about in Sunday school, biblical obedience is complete. When the rich young man came to Jesus and said, how could I inherit eternal life? Christ said, sell all that you have. Not a portion, not 10%, not 50%, but he says all. In the same way, when God says, come to me, he says, let go of all things and embrace me. In the parable of the great pearl of great price, he sells all that he has so that he may acquire Christ. Biblical obedience means all. It's complete. It's also prompt. Abraham did it that day. One time I remember talking to a young man, and I asked him, well, are you ready to be baptized? And he says, well, I've been praying about being baptized. You've heard me use this illustration before. And I said, what's there to be What's there to pray about? The Bible says do it, right? Do it. If he says honor the Lord in, in, in communion, then do so. If he tells you to forgive, what are you to do? Forgive. Do you need to pray about it? Men, do you need to pray about loving your wives? Women, do you need to pray about submitting to your husbands? No, he calls us to do these things. Do we need to pray about praying for our, our enemies and for those who persecute us? No. We need to obey promptly. Maybe one reason that God has been delaying the promises in your life because you've been delaying in obeying Him. God says promptly now, completely now, don't hold anything back. So biblical obedience is not only complete and prompt, but lastly, it's risky. And it's very many times, sometimes very painful. I'm sure Abraham was not looking at 99 years of old going undergoing that operation nor Isaac at 13, nor any of those other men. But yet, obeying God is going to cost you something. It may cost you a job. It may cost you some friends. It may cost you some relationships. It may cost you some money. It may cost you maybe a reputation or maybe even some social status. But let me tell you, the cause in following Christ will be many times risky and painful. You and I, many times, we don't want anything with a God like that. I just want a God that all I have to say is, uh, will you come to my heart? And that's all we want. Really what you and I want to do is we want to take Jesus, the problem solver, and just add him to our life. 
God doesn't do that. Where he says, if I'm coming in, I'm cleaning house. And let me tell you, it's going to cost you something. It's going to be risky, and it's going to be painful. But here's what I bring us to in the knife of promise and a name. Is that you and I need to trust in the Almighty God. The God of refuge, the God of strength. Trust in Him even when His promises seem delayed. Even in the silence, trust in the Almighty God. Let me end with this. And that trust and obey that hymn. It goes on to say, Not a burden we bear, nor a sorrow we share, but our toil He doth richly repay. It's worth it. Not a grief or a loss, nor a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Life is worth the risk. But he goes this, he gives us this hope. Then in fellowship sweet, we will set at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. God came and restored and renewed Abraham after 13 years of silence. Maybe that's what you need today. To do so, you need to take that next step and boldly obey what God's promises have been given to you. Would you do so this morning? Father, I pray we come before you and, and I would just thank you for this message. I needed it. There are times that I feel that you are silent. There are times in which I struggle with your delay and trying to grab onto your promises. But Father, as you came and restored and renewed and encouraged Abram, would you do so today? I need a new name. I, I want to be your child. Father, I pray that you would circumcise our hearts, Lord, that we may come and follow you. A sign of those who follow you is that of a circumcised heart, which means that we're dead to our sin, we're dead to our flesh. Lord, I pray that we would just wrap our arms and our hearts around the promise Lord, of the new creature that we are. Lord, let us live out those implications. We thank you for your son. Lord, we thank you for Abraham. And Father, this morning, would you challenge us and prompt us to our next step in trusting and obeying you. All God's people said, Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.